Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D and the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout a product's life cycle. Here, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D. Thanks a lot, everybody, for joining this version of Beyond 3D Roundtable, where we're going to talk about the medium and long-term impacts that we're all anticipating that are arising from the COVID pandemic. We've got a great bunch of people here today. I think all of you know me, Ron Fritz, the CEO at Techsoft 3D. And we'll just do a quick round robin of one or two minute introductions to, to everyone. Let's uh, start with you, Anand. Thank you, Ron. I'm Anand Macheri. I'm the founder and CEO of Invicara. I've been an entrepreneur in the building technology space for about 30 years, a little lower actually. Uh, built businesses around uh, automation, energy management, safety, security, intelligent buildings. Sold all my past businesses to Siemens. And I founded Invicara to sort of address the opportunity of digital twins in the built environment. All right. Great. How about you, Clifton? I do not have 30 years. Well, I'm almost 30. So nice. 20, 29 years of experience <laughs> living on the earth, but I've been in uh, AEC software for about three years, co-founder and CEO at a company called TestFit. We build, I like to call it the most insanely detailed uh, building configurator available to anyone on the market today, but I don't know. We're hiring somebody that does marketing, so I'm sure my name will change. <laughs> they'll they'll smooth to, that out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you. <laughs> cool. How about you, Hilmar? Hey, guys. So I'm Hilmar Gunnarsson, the founder and CEO of Arcio. Arcio is a collaborative, collaborative design tool for uh, architecture built from the ground up for VR, AR, and mobile devices. And with it, people can jump into a shared space, uh, do some like uh, design options together import export seamlessly from Revit and just get to work done faster and more easy than possible before. Great. And how about you, Rich? Hi, I'm Rich Humphrey. I'm the vice president of uh, product strategy and product management at Bentley Systems, um, where I lead all of our construction efforts, particularly around um, one brand called Synchro, which is our portfolio for construction management all the way from 4D modeling and pre-construction planning to field workflows and project management and, and dot controls, among other uh, key construction workflows. Uh, I think uh, like someone else on this call, I'm, I guess sadly I have 30 years of experience in AEC, half of it in, in industry um, in, as an engineer in, in construction for companies like Clark Construction and Army Corps uh, Construction Research uh, facility and the last 15 years building out uh, engineering construction software technology. Great. And Hilmar, you were with Autodesk for a bit as well, right? When you, uh, when uh, one of your earlier companies was acquired, is that correct? Correct. So Autodesk acquired my earlier company called Modio, which was nothing to do with the AC industry. Actually, we Hmm. did like a creative toy design app where you could create toys on an iPad and just 3D print them easily. Right. This was kind of the start of the kind of consumer 3D printing craze that kind of never really matured. But mm-hmm. uh, so as a result of that, I spent two years at Autodesk. And then when I left, I started working on 
Modio, and uh, I guess like Clifton, I'm kind of a newcomer to the AC industry. <laughs> definitely, definitely don't have 30 years of experience, yeah. uh, although I'm older than 30, though. But <laughs> well, good. We have a, a good mix of people with long experience in the construction and software industry who've seen things change and a lot of things stay the same, as well as some folks that are more new to it that are driving some of the change. And people with big company experience and small company experience. I mean, non your experience probably couldn't be more extreme from Siemens to going back to your own startup. So we'll just see where this conversation leads us. And we'll just start with that, that question that we began with of what people's predictions are of, we think the, the medium and longer term impacts will be from the pandemic on construction software. I guess we'll just go in the same order to start and then it'll all get crazy from there. How about you, Anand? Yeah, sure. So the medium term, clearly we all see the impact uh, today, right? I mean, I was on a call with some clients in Singapore today, uh, for example, construction has nearly ground to a very, very slow pace simply because there are no construction workers. Uh, we see the same thing in India. We see uh, several projects not getting funded uh, and there's that aspect as well. So in the short, and there is a concern, overriding concern around demand, right? For mm -hmm. how long will the demand contraction remain in the commercial real estate space? So uh, retail, of course, is already was contracting and this just accentuated it like crazy. So there is medium term, clear medium term impact. Long term, I personally think things are going to be very much back to normal, um, if my view, uh, just a personal view. But of course, there will be some lessons learned. There'll be better investments around technology to maintain better air quality and, and efficiencies all around. This becomes a trigger for change. That's how I see it long-term, but coming back to normal. Right. What, what are your, what's up been on your mind, Clifton? You know, I think the, the, the prefab modular numbers are at like 500 projects in the US. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, we're still really far behind in the means and methods of construction in the United States. I don't think that's going to change, but uh, what I do think is already changing is you're starting to see firm leaders in the development world, the architecture world, the brokerage world, even the banking world, investors in, in buildings starting to adopt new technologies. And I'm talking about chat tools like Slack. Uh, mm -hmm. That stuff is disrupting email. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we're, we're still pretty far behind in, in terms of investing in the right things to, to push everybody into the 21st century. Practically, uh, the housing industry is going to do just fine. I mean, TestFit, we've grown significantly this year and all we offer is a housing configurator app. So haven't seen the numbers slip at all. Um, have seen uh, actually multifamily get more interest uh, as the year has gone on, there've been, uh, some office guys and, and some retail guys that have bought TestFit because they're starting to look at multifamily. Mm. Uh, so that space is going to be very hot. And you know, if there's someone that can crack the nut on, on prefab, you know, now's like the time to do it. Let's see. I, I also think that, uh, just in general, like we're going to see a lot less commodity buildings built outside of multifamily. Uh, and it's because people are, are realizing that my workers 20% of the week can work from home. Um, you know, I've been running a decentralized company for three and a half years. We've never had an office that everybody goes to 
I would rather hire the right person. And if they live in Canada, I don't care. They don't have to live in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. So you're starting, I, I think we're starting to see more operationally just companies that are growing and changing. They're just going to do it differently. And there's app, there's software apps out there that I can get compliant in any state in the country to hire an employee like in a week. So it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool what technology technology has been able to, to enable um, on the operation side of, of businesses. Yeah. Interesting. Anand also has a hundred percent remote company as well. Yep. Yeah. So him, him are, what as you dive into this AEC world, what are your predictions of the impacts? So I think um, there are several. If you look at the, the software industry itself, uh, this kind of a disruption basically creates a lot of opportunities in many ways. Like people have had to go to a mode of working a lot remotely and kind of uh, less of kind of going always to the same place to get work done. Like some of the other guys like Arcure is pretty much a kind of remote first company. Uh, we have employees in four countries scattered across Europe. And that's kind of been the mode that we've been working in for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result of COVID, a lot of people are starting to kind of experience this. And that definitely creates opportunities for kind of new tech, new tools to basically to come along and kind of disrupt the way things get done. Uh, but I also think that kind of, uh, if I look at kind of my customers, the architecture firms, engineering firms, they are much more kind of approachable now. They've had to take a look at kind of how do we do business? How do we get work done? And this kind of huge shift towards thinking about like how do we collaborate if you're not in the same place. And long term, I'm a big believer that kind of the idea of all this have to be in a certain place to do something will start to diminish. Mm-hmm. And, and for the AEC industry, what I think is kind of most interesting about that is this idea that uh, you you kind of have this design process and you have people getting together to try to get something done and they're staring at these kind of these flat screens to imagine basically what will happen when you construct something. And in the not too distant future, it's probably going to seem crazy to uh, the fact that we were doing business like that mm-hmm. instead of being able to kind of walk through these buildings virtually before any construction starts. Right. So kind of this kind of the whole thing that's happened over the last few months and people just getting together on Zoom calls like this and getting used to kind of working more remotely and kind of the idea that I can be present in a place even though I'm not physically present. Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to now see kind of the first kind of signs of how that will basically kind of change everything in the long term. Gotcha. All right. What's your, what's your point of view, Rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a similar point of view. I mean, kind of macro in terms of how what's what COVID has done to the industry is. I mean, I I've seen a significant downturn in commercial buildings, right? And they've basically had to shut down at at different times. And uh, and the way they've come back is through selectively only having most critical resources on the job site to get work done and everyone else has to be remote. So had they learned to go remote, same kind of perspective, I think maybe, yeah, I think housing is interesting, um, but infrastructure is probably going to going to uh, increase. I mean, this is kind of geopolitical and it's all based on funding. Uh, infrastructure spend is usually a lot more stable 
but that's it's going to grow as a consequence of um, potential stimulus plans and the fact that it was less impacted by COVID because workers were less, you know, they're spatially spotted over large areas. So um, the, the dangers to them working outside on a highway project or a rail project were a lot less than packing a lot of subcontractors into a small uh, space in a building. Um, but what I would say on the technology front is, is uh, similar to what Helmar said. The, the uh, key drive to plan projects and then drive the planning through execution, through collaboration across different disciplines um, and different types of people that uh, drive the operations of construction. It used to be, you know, get as many people on site and collaborate in a common location where you're close to the project because the project is the context by which you can have a discussion in, in a, and make your plans and, and uh, execute and make sure the project is in control. Well, when when a lot of a lot when when that can't happen anymore, collaboration has to happen digitally. So we're seeing a lot more you know, virtual design and construction. So whether it's taking task-based workflows and capturing data in the field and, and seeing uh, and tracking uh, performance metrics uh, versus via cloud data repositories and analytics and then trying to drive it through there and then applying 3D, 4D model, 5D model context as, as the way I navigate my data and collaborate with teams that are not no longer co-located on the project site and to make sure that the teams on the project site are doing are working in the right areas. That is a is COVID has been has helped kind of drive a lot more interest in those type of applications. And so that's one of the things that Synchro does well. And it becomes the it could become the collaboration environment like Zoom is for these type of calls. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing that is is I think some people might go back to the old way of collaboration when they can get back on the job site, um, but a lot of I think for a lot of people it's going to stick. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing I see is the way we manage safety, health and safety on the job site is going to be, you know, it was always kind of a big deal, but now there's going to be even a bigger requirement. I don't think some of the health and safety requirements that we have as a result of COVID are going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, they might get lessened, but it's changed our, you know, how we think about it. So providing automate automation for health and safety and um, programs is, is a, is an area that will pick up as well. Yeah. It's interesting that there's, I mean, the construction industry has been driven to digitize faster than they were. There's, it's faster than they were anyway. That's true of almost every industry. And, you know, there's kind of this running joke that it's not the CEO or the CIO or any, or market forces that drove digitization of <laughs> COVID and all of your companies and all the, you know, all the companies related to construction, building construction software are there to try to accelerate the digitization of this industry that has all sorts of parts of it that, that need or would benefit from digitization. So there was a lot of talk about collaboration as as kind of the, the first way that people move from being physically located or the old way of doing stuff into collaboration. What else do we think are going to be the, the things that'll change first 
and what stuff, what, what things that should be digitized are going to be held on to fiercely and go and, and die slowly. Now that we can blow the order up, any, anyone can go if they think my question makes any sense at all. I'm not sure it does, but we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, the value of like whiteboards and trace paper, you know, basically just disappeared overnight, which is great in my opinion. And I mean, I, I think, you know, with VR, you know, Archeo, now's your time to shine because it's, it's possibly a superior building demonstration technology than just showing renderings. Right. And I think it, it helps solve the, 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 the core problem with zoom meetings that we're all still like in a room somewhere. We're not together in a room. And so if you can basically hijack the visual system of your brain and transport you somewhere else, um, I could see it being very valuable. Uh, but still, I think, you know, the, the core uh, gasoline for this fire has been like my 68 year old father saying, wow, that's amazing how productive people can be just on their laptop at home. So we're, we're starting to see like, I don't know, the eighties mentality of how you manage people and run a business finally evaporate. Um, and that, that in my mind is, is gotta be like the biggest win from COVID when it comes to like soft skills workers is mm -hmm. we're getting a lot more creative freedom with our time. Mm -hmm. What other stuff do we think are going to digitize first and, and last? I think, I mean, I'll, I'll weigh in here, right. Um, look, I, you know, I got a solution that's very focused on delivering, uh, 4D, 5D, 3D, you know, digital twin model-based workflows. Um, but we're also focused on meeting customers where they're at today, where the market is today, which is, you know, still digitizing task and form-based workflows. And I think that is probably still going to accelerate faster than our, our model-based workflows. Not because, because it's not compelling and because, not because it's easier to collaborate with that with a 3D model context, because it is. It's, it's easier to, to make sure you do the right work. It's easier to communicate. It's easier to coordinate around a, a visual context. But the reality of our business is, although COVID has accelerated some digitization and the, the desire to get into virtualization of, of, um, of work, particularly around a model context, uh, the reality is our industry still doesn't deliver a model as a contractual document. So I think you're going to see collaboration and automation around tasks like safety and quality and daily logs and document controls and continue to just become advanced and become the norm and then pull through model, you know, all those technologies will have to be able to trans transfer to the model as a context for those workflows at some point. But, but uh, the industry, the way the industry is organized limits the availability of the data right now. Now, some of that can change as we go uh, as um, if we make modeling authoring easier for say a, a contractor and, or they could, um, they start to adopt more just uh, reality modeling and they get reality model context. But, but uh, at the end of the day, they're not building what's there. They're building 
what's uh, delivered in the design intent documentation, which needs to move to a model-based contract deliverable. And some of that's happening more on the building side and less on the, uh, say, the infrastructure side um, that's driven by, say, public DOTs and whatnot. But that, but the DOTs are also starting to look at that. Anyway, so hopefully that wasn't too much of a ramble, but uh, that's that's my view of, of uh, what'll stick. Rich, were, were there firms that were already up and running that didn't see much of a blip versus the firms that adopted as a result of COVID? Like, can you, can you kind of see a Venn diagram of the two? Well, what, what happened was, was, was there's, you know, all firms are, are uh, it depends on whether you're talking about really large organizations or small, where, where most of the pickup of like a, of a, of um, model-based workflows is, is, is around where design, more complex design build scenarios where the designer and the contractor can partner and and that that problem i just described around the contract deliverables go blows up right and so there were, even within those organizations there there's pockets of, of of expertise and what i saw was was two things one is all right i have a, those pockets of expertise in those organizations found their voice in the larger organization because because management saw value in it and so so i think in those companies they accelerated their use of of uh, say vdc and then you know i got we would get a lot of phone calls from new companies that that wanted to get some of it because now all of a sudden they were thrown into a position of in order to compete in in just management projects i need to look for new tools and digitize so yeah, so yes, um, we 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 that is that's what we saw. So you know, in our case, you know, we we kind of play both on the construction side as well as on the operations side. In fact, we start in the construction phase in order to to gather the information needed for operations, and ultimately, a lot of what we deliver the, the digital twin is in the context of how to operate and optimize the. The built environment in the in the in the run phase in the, in the operations mm-hmm. phase. What we are seeing is a very clear, uh, you know, acceleration towards convergence. Now, convergence. I would just as you named this session, Ron, beyond 3D, right? So clearly, 3D context is is great and useful, but we are also seeing a definitive ask to converge data from so many data silos that today sits inside buildings in the, in the operation space. You have building management systems, energy management, space management, you know, maintenance systems, some separate IoT implementations, um, so on and on. So there's so many different distinct silos. And when, we, when, when building managers are trying to manage the environment in today's world, they're trying to sit in front of a screen and try to get all the context they need to make decisions. They're suddenly realizing this is a problem. I mean, when you are sitting in a, in an office and calling people and different people handling different things in a in a rather distributed fashion, it was still okay. But when you're trying to converge people around making decisions, being being more efficient in in delivering an outcome, that disconnected silo environment is certainly impacting them heavily. So it's a great. It's that, that's that's I think the great outcome for the for the industry to to think about truly converged, uh, data driven, contextual solutions that can help them deliver things faster and more efficiently. 
And, and I think that's going to certainly stick because people have realized that, you know, with Google Maps, you could go into any city that you never went to before and just find your way and you're just great. Whereas in a building, most buildings still need that one guy who knows how to fix their problem to be around if something goes wrong. Uh, that, that's the biggest change that uh, we believe will, will happen coming out of this. So in our case, what we're primarily looking at is kind of the early stages of the design phase. And what I find most interesting, as I said before, is this idea that we will kind of evolve beyond kind of always getting together in the same place into kind of medium or virtually. Uh, but like as was pointed out, like being on a Zoom call like this, we're still kind of in separate rooms. Like I don't feel like I'm there with you. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing about technologies like VR uh, that more and more people are kind of started to experience is that I can get into a space. It might be a relatively simple space, and I can feel present with somebody else. Like if we were now inside Archeo chatting, we would feel much more like we are in kind of the same room than we are doing today. And uh, we basically see this time and time again when we first introduce our kind of users to Archeo and we kind of, we go into the app with them and show them how it works and it feels like we're like physically present. Uh, we do our standups like inside Archeo, like uh, regularly every week, uh, like inside <laughs> the company, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy to think about it, actually meeting inside the tool that we are developing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing obviously a lot of these kind of these virtual events. And uh, what we started doing is pretty interesting. So we've been having these, doing these virtual panels with our beta users. And we kind of get together with them inside some model that, you know, they've created or that we've created. And we kind of sit there on our virtual chairs and I have somebody next to me and I'm chatting with him like he's actually sitting there. And it just feels completely natural, even though he's just like a red floating head. Like mm-hmm. I don't see his actual face. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that is so interesting about VR and what I think some people kind of uh, at least misunderstood initially that to create this sense of presence, you don't really need to have photorealistic environments. It's much more kind of basic uh, than that. Mm. And ultimately, uh, this is what is kind of has got me most excited about this kind of what can come out of COVID is that more and more people will start to experience the true power of something like this uh, and then kind of start to really embrace it. Uh, even if it's just for the only kind of design phase, but you can use tools like this to truly understand the space before it's even being built. You can make better design decisions. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you need to kind of uh, develop the final construction documents in something like VR, but it can help inform a lot of those discussions like for later on in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. The uh, let's think about out into the future. Some like 2025. Let's go further. So give us a little more time. It's 2030. Yeah. Rich yeah. and Anon are now in. We got the same group. They're now talking about being 40 years in the construction <laughs> software industry. Uh, God. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Clifton has broken 30, so that's cool. He's almost <laughs> 40 at this point, and I'm not going to mention my you know, where, where I'll be at that stage, but it's, it's 2030, it's 10 years from now. And we've invited a couple people into this call that are new to the constructed construction industry. And we're trying to express to them how stuff used to get done. Like let's say 2019 pre pre COVID. So like, for example, the same way that a younger person would be shocked that a telephone 
used to be one to a house and it was connected to the wall with a wire. And why would that be? Or that you had to get up to change the TV channels. What the hell were people thinking? What will those things be, do we think, in the construction industry where you're trying to explain it to somebody 10 years from now and like, people used to do it. How? Holy cow. First of all, you're not going to call like this. I can guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. Even this, they'll be like, yeah, so do you just see a screen and people's face? That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch I, I, presence and holographic meetings are going to be definitely, definitely real. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. job sites or whether it is office or whatever it may be. Yeah, I was going to say, I, was, I think all, all that also is going to get enabled by a, a you know, the, the convergence that you just mentioned, right? There's, there's between sensors and reality capture and photogrammetry capture, all kind of coming into the cloud. Really, the the cloud and mobile becoming the new platforms, right? Where all the data is in is in a single location and mm-hmm. near, almost near real time, or by that time it'll be feel like near, you know, closer to to real time, where you have the context of the project, what's going on, updates from the field, um, either through, you know, even easier to use mobile devices that are capturing status on projects, all in a 3D, 4D, 5D context is gonna be a reality and is also gonna drive, the, the thing that could also happen is we're already seeing a lot of prefab, a lot of offsite stuff happening, but a lot of, uh, I think robotics is also still at its early stages. That'll be if we have, if we can actually have a virtual reality in real time, certainly um, with sensors and stuff driven by a digital twin from that starts in the construction process and, and goes on to um, the, uh, the operations phase, mm-hmm. then, you know, they're going to be like, well, I can't believe you're manually building some of these things and where robotics is going to come into play more there as well. And we've been doing machine control automation for earthworks for a long time. There won't be people driving those, that equipment in the next 10 to 15 years, probably it'll be fairly automated as an example. And again, it's, you'll be getting real time feedback from sensors and those robotic uh, processes and uh, the mobile devices we have that are on a human will be m- much more user-friendly in real time in terms of the data and progress that you get back. So you will be able to kind of remotely feel like you're completely in tune with what is happening on the job site and collaborating in a augmented virtual reality, whether you're remote or, or on-site. Anyway, that's, that, that's highly possible. I don't think it's, it's, I, I also caveat that with some pragmatism of being in the market, in the industry for 30 years. Right. Is that technology adoption is, is so slow in, in a construction um, mm-hmm. and engineering that, that uh, 10 years feels like a long time, but it's really not that long for technology um, transformation within the industry. Although I feel like we're almost at the point of crossing the chasm or even your your average construction employee, it, he's all, he, they're also engrossed with technology in their everyday lives. That I think that that is what's breaking down the barrier to 
going to break down the barrier to adoption holistically for from your project manager and design engineer to your foreman and machine operator on the job site. Right. Just a general comfort from it's a generational change as people who are afraid of computers are no longer in business. <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. there's going to be an in-between there where there's an, a non's vision of uh, holograms at the building site and everywhere else, but they're actually still un, unrolling digital 2D drawings on top of the hood of a virtual <laughs> truck. And then this is a matter of a comment somebody made the other day that innovation <laughs> makes a single step forward with every funeral. Mm, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah, I got or retirement. That's yeah, nice retirement. Let's say retirement. Yeah, that, that's a little bit more pleasant. Yeah. I think. So, yeah. so Clifton, what were you going to think? Add? It's yeah. No, I think it's interesting with the the. I'll call it like the old, like just the delta between old millennials and young millennials. So I'm a super young millennial. I'm like at the the tail end of millennialism, if you will, and. The tail end guys, we grew up playing, uh, you know, multiplayer video games. Like that was part of our life to hop on a Minecraft server and like collaborate with like 20 people we don't even know on something for fun. And so you absolutely need to have that same environment pulled into real life work. Um, you know, the, the collaborative environment and that multiplayer enabled, but What's even scarier is the Gen Z, the guys that are, are coming up out of school, graduating right now and entering the industry. Because these are people that they, they don't even know, like they weren't even around for floppy disks, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're internet natives. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if millennials are digital natives, like Gen Z is like the internet natives. Um, and, and their concept of work is gonna be very different than, than even my concept of what work is. Um, and so uh, while the, the young guys, are, they get excited about the technology, uh, as, as Rich has said, their ability to wield it is going to be far beyond anything that, that we can imagine right now. Um, you know, like when I started in the industry, I, I said, this is stupid that we're drawing parking garages uh, manually all the time in every single project. Mm -hmm. Let's just make an algorithm that solves that problem. Uh, and so you're going to have uh, the industry is going to have to face the reality of 15,000 point solutions solving archaically small problems uh, that somehow gets integrated together. Uh, and if you look at other industries, they, they do it with APIs. You know, that's going to be our future is logic wrapped up in an API and sold to other people, at least for architects. You know, that's that's kind of where I think the, the black hole of, of technology is pushing the industry. Not so, not so familiar with the construction world, but it, it, it does blow my mind that I can generate a building that's compliant to like a volumetric uh, prefab standard. Uh, and it's in test fit, it's IBC compliant, the vertical circulation works and everything. You know, why can't we just ship that data file to a, a machine in some factory and it just, fires up and, you know, it can absolutely can be done today. Um, mm -hmm. And people are doing it. But I think when you get a Gen Z in power, like not, there's all, all restraint for the past might be let go of. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited. Like I, I can't wait to hire our first Gen Zer because <laughs> 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 
they're just going to bring a completely different perspective, yeah. which I'm excited well, about. If I, if I could tag on to that, I, I, I think, I think we all probably agree with that. I mean, I've got Gen Zers. I'm old enough to have Gen Zers as my kids in college and graduating high school and their experience, because I not to bring it back to COVID is they're not at school. They're, you know, they're remote. They're taking classes. Like my daughter might be at Virginia Tech down at, at her, in her, living in her group house, but she never goes on campus anymore. All our mm-hmm. classes are remote. So that's changing their experience in terms of how do you collaborate just completely in the cloud, not just multi game playing that was your experience. And I think they're going to bring that experience to the workplace for sure. And, uh, and, and to answer the question about construction, I think construction has the same problem. There's, you know, that API comment you meant, it's all about integration that you can't software companies can't build point solutions anymore and, and expect to be all things to everybody because our, you know, engineers, architects, and constructors are all have a portfolio of, you know, 30, 40, 50 applications that they, that they use to do their work. 80% of them don't talk to each other. And, uh, and until they do, it's going to be a barrier to technology adoption. And, and uh, so it has to be a, an, an API software economy because that's what our customers are demanding and what will drive adoption. Yeah. Um, all right, Hilmar, what do you, th- other than uh, everybody obviously designing in a VR context, uh, what else? Will yeah, this, this meeting would be in VR. <laughs> yeah, we should have done that. Actually, I should have thought of that. We should. Um, yeah. So if we look 10 years into the future, and like we mentioned the floppy disk and other things that just kind of, you know, vanished, one of the things that kind of somebody might think strange in 10 years time, maybe a bit longer, I don't know, is the idea that we kind of do everything on these 2D screens in general, not just like architecture or design, but just this idea that you have this kind of a small piece of thing in front of you and that's kind of your focus that like, that's the thing that you, you work on and get information from. Because uh, one thing that uh, I've seen in the past is that kind of, uh, and this has been said by a lot of people that people tend to kind of underestimate how long it takes for kind of new technology to gain foothold to kind of to really kind of mature. But then they kind of they, they overestimate how long it takes for it to kind of change basically, you know, entire businesses. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of look 10, 15 years into the future, you know, my VR glasses won't be, you know, like this. This is kind of the Oculus Quest 2 recently came out. They'll be closer to what I have now on my face, my glasses. Mm-hmm. And if you just think about that, what that will mean, that people will kind of look at the idea of like designing any 3D object on a flat screen as being some something completely just out of the stone age. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, if I'm designing this glass, like I should be able to look at it like this and hold it in my hand. And I think uh, that's going to probably happen faster than people think once the technology is mature enough and it's taking very rapid steps towards basically, you know, starting uh, that starting to happen. I have to say. There is, Uh, there is a risk when, if we have virtual reality adoption massively and it's more convenient to put on the 
pair of glasses than to go somewhere. I actually think that the built environment might suffer from that. Uh, and people maybe care less about the physical environment. And because if more and more of your world life experience happens virtually, you're going to pour more effort into the virtual world. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, there is a dystopian future in there somewhere that I think yeah. we should, we should yeah. possibly caution against. Yeah. I think there definitely is. And uh, I've seen my kids obviously play with kind of VR a lot. Uh, they get into these games and get totally like uh, just taken up with them. And you have to wonder like what's going to happen like 10, 20, 30 years down into the future. But, but uh, people have said that about all well, everything, like about newspapers, the internet, like God knows what. <laughs> like, uh, and, and somehow like humankind tends to kind of at least manage and like figure out a way. Yeah. So I hope it's going to be the case with this because this this will be huge one way or the other. Right. And on you were going to say something about the built world and the virtual world. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with what Clifton said. You know, it, it, you know, this experience of virtualizing everything has got to have a tremendous impact on the built environment. Not ten years from now, maybe twenty, thirty years from now, the built environment is going to be completely reshaped. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's something that that's. We would even question what is a built environment? Why do right. you need it? Right. Why do you need it? Exactly. Great. Well, that's the 45 minutes that I promised that we would spend together. It's a fun conversation. I look forward to doing it again in 10 years precisely. I'm not going to send a Zoom meeting invite for that 10 years from now because something tells me that we'll be using different technologies. But this Zoom link is out of date. <laughs> this Zoom link is out of date. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good rest of your day or evening, no matter where you are. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast hosted by TechSoft3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about TechSoft3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D.